Hello everyone, this is Tony Kramer, Product Specialist with RDO Equipment Company, and you are listening to the Agriculture Technology Podcast. Every day there are phenomenal advancements being made in the field of agriculture technology. RDO Equipment Company is a leader in agriculture equipment and precision agriculture technology and is here with industry experts bringing the latest news and information from RDO and John Deere. Thanks for joining us on the Agriculture Technology Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 89, and today we are going to be talking about pheasants forever and precision agriculture. Before we dive into the show, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. You can subscribe to the show on the many different podcasting apps that we're streaming this to. It's on Apple's podcasting app. We have it on Stitcher, Overcast, SoundCloud, as well as many others. While you're out there, drop us a review. We'd really like to hear what you think about this show. Lastly, make sure to follow RDO Equipment Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and catch all of our latest videos packed full of information on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at RDOTonyK. Now with that, let's get back to the show. I'm really excited to welcome Tanner Bruce, who is the Ag and Conservation Programs Manager with Pheasants Forever. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Tanner. To get started, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about you and your background and how you got involved in this industry. Thanks for having us on, Tony. To start off, I guess I'm from southwest Minnesota. I actually grew up about a half mile from the Iowa border and really gained an appreciation for both agriculture and conservation and wildlife through just where I lived in rural Minnesota, uh, as well as not being raised in town. So there in Worthington, Minnesota, it also started with my grandpa. He actually owned Southwest Minnesota Livestock, uh, which would be the sale barn in Worthington, Minnesota. Through that, obviously spent a lot of time chasing cows and, and, and pigs, and as a sale barn, also peacocks and, and all kinds of other things. So uh, he pretty much sold anything that came through the door. Also with that would be the remembrance, I guess, of eating a delicious beef commercial with the nice aroma surrounding me of, of manure. So... I uh, really enjoyed that growing up. One of my fondest memories would be going with my grandpa to uh, South St. Paul Livestock, which is, is no longer in business, but kind of going on the boardwalks above and, and looking at all the different livestock down below and watching grandpa go and bid on, bid on a, a herd of cows. So definitely grew an appreciation there. My first job was picking rock, as any Southwest Minnesota boy should, should be able to claim that title. Uh, and then after high school, I then went to uh, Mankato South Central College had a lot of fun while I was there don't know what I necessarily accomplished moved back with my parents and actually worked for a tile drainage company for about three and a half years uh, so just working with farmers I loved it loved every day of it uh, decided to go back to school for biology uh, got into wildlife uh, got into conservation and got married have a couple kids and I was lucky enough to get in with a fabulous organization and pheasants forever and quail forever Wonderful. Yeah, it's always fun to hear everyone's background stories, where they come from, and how they get to where they are. You'd, with this podcast, I get a lot of people that, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but some come from a farming background and grow up farming, and others, they, they come from all different spectrums and, and different routes and paths through life. So it's really fun to hear that. Pheasants Forever, the organization you're with, uh, I know uh, some people may have heard of it, other people may have not. 
why don't you tell us a little bit about what Pheasants Forever is and how it came about? Well, Tony, Pheasants Forever started in 1982 with a group of people that were just passionate about pheasants and pheasant hunting and, and conservation and wildlife. Uh, started in a basement, uh, continued on, had the first banquet, which a lot of folks are familiar with Pheasants Forever banquets and enjoy going to and eating the food and enjoying a few cocktails and, and hopefully going home with a few guns that they won. Uh, but the first banquet was, was in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul. Through that, we've continued to, to grow and, and gain support. We're now sitting at about 150,000 members. Uh, with that, just within Minnesota specifically, just shy of 25,000 members in Minnesota. We've got currently just shy of 750 chapters located throughout the United States. Uh, so we're in not all states, but almost every state has Pheasants Forever or Quail Forever representation. Uh, we currently have a diversified staff. Our home base is in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Uh, we have roughly about 150 wildlife biologists uh, that, that assist landowners and farmers in enrolling in voluntary conservation programs and really help them through the, the paperwork process and give them the technical assistance in collaboration with other great partners like the Natural Resource Conservation Service, Farm Service Agency, local soil and water conservation districts, and other state agencies. When we talk about Pheasants Forever, you talked about how uh, it kind of started with a group of people that were just passionate about pheasants and kind of the conservation and the habitat of pheasants. How does that tie into agriculture? How did the, how does Pheasants Forever and agriculture relate? Well, our structure is really grassroots. And what I mean by that, as a nonprofit organization, a local chapter, all the money that's raised locally at a banquet, that money stays local. Our chapters started with tractors, started with agriculture, started with you know, assisting in food plots, tree plantings. Uh, many of our members, our member base, are farmers. Uh, many of them are in the agriculture industry, whether that be a, you know, an agronomist or a consultant or, or whatever it may be. Uh, they also enjoy, I guess, pulling the trigger. And private lands conservation as a whole is a base for wildlife populations. Farmers are out there putting habitat on the ground, conservation on the ground, and really Without that, without the great stewards and the work that they're already doing, um, the wildlife populations would not be where they are today. That's one of the things I always think is really neat is how how well ingrained Pheasants Forever is with the agriculture industry and the agriculture community. A lot of people, they, they might view land conservation and and agriculture is different but really it's it's doing the same thing it's accomplishing the same things just from a a different perspective one funny story i'd like to kind of add to that is my kid is he's four years old and he's absolutely obsessed with green equipment absolutely obsessed now i don't traditionally have a farm a lot of my uh, friends are farmers and my family are farmers so he gets to ride in tractors and that's like the best day of his life um but this year, I actually purchased, uh, I think it's a 1982 John Deere 214 lawn tractor with a cab on it and a snowblower. And let me tell you what, that thing blows snow. But uh, it was funny because when I brought it home, my kid, in a four-year-old's eyes, he goes, Dad, we have a tractor. Dad, you got a tractor. And he just couldn't get the grin off his face. And when we're driving down the road, he'll actually look over into a field you know, he'll see a, I guess what I would consider a real tractor, you know, say, Hey dad, look, they got a tractor like ours. And it just puts a smile on my face and, and I'm shake my head and I'm thinking kind of, but we kind of have a tractor sort of like theirs, but, uh, he's so proud of that fact. And 
I had the opportunity to go to develop with deer conference this year. Um, and with that, I got a stocking cap and, and when I got home, I knew immediately what I was doing with that stocking cap and, and I gave it to my four year old. And to be honest with you, he hasn't taken it off his, off his head since, except for to go to bed. So his, uh, his two first words at about two and a half, uh, were pheasants forever and John Deere. He could identify the John Deere logo. So that's a really awesome story, and it's a, a neat thing to, to see and show how agriculture and land conservation, it all goes hand in hand together. And you bring up the John Deere name, and we'll get to that just a little bit later in the show, but Pheasants Forever, just uh, they uh, got a partnership with John Deere and everything, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. When it comes to the agriculture, so we talked about Pheasants Forever, how the organization started, what they do. We talked about how it relates to agriculture. Now, you yourself, Tanner, you focus on a very unique project, or you you have a focus on a very unique project, and that's the the precision ag end of things with Pheasants Forever. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what what services you guys provide and what that whole precision ag program is about in Pheasants Forever? Absolutely. So about, I would say, three to four years ago, we started kind of getting into the precision ag initiative, precision ag business planning. A lot of that started with what was then called Ag Solver, uh, now is EFC Systems and a, a platform called Profit Zone Manager. And through that, you know, just being able to dive in and, and look at somebody's operation, look at somebody's field acre by acre and analyzing it for profitability. So return on investment. And we just saw a great opportunity there to collaborate with farmers obviously with their goals and, and it's all voluntary. So whatever their goals for their operation is, is, is what we're going to follow. And just being able to dive in, look at things acre by acre, identify those revenue negative acres and find out alternatives, you know, whether that may be, you know, a federal program, a state program, or just something that the producer, the farmer themselves is interested in as far as providing that voluntary conservation opportunity. I know you got a, a little catchphrase that I very much enjoy, but uh, you talk about turning red acres green. So you're taking these areas of fields and that are, are generally poorly producing, and you're finding ways to make them produce revenue, correct? Absolutely. That's the, the main focus out of the whole thing, and, and the secondary benefit would be the conservation or the habitat that it also provides. And yeah, get the red out of your field and and let's make it green. So we don't we don't want to focus solely on the red acres, although that's that's where our expertise can come into play with providing the different opportunities to increase your return on investment. But we also want to work hand in hand with the agronomists, you know, the equipment dealership, the IS specialists, whomever it may be, an, another trusted advisor with the farmer to to also see what, what can we do on the green acres. Let's make the Let's really turn those green acres instead of lime green. Let's make them John Deere green. Yeah, I like that. And that, and you said it exactly. That is the where the partnership also comes in, and where the correlation is with Pheasants Forever and agriculture, and what you guys are doing with this program is one. It's making those parts of the the land. It's making it more profitable. They're seeing a little more return, but it's also giving habitat for pheasants and wildlife. And it really helps on both ends, the conservation of the land, but it's also helping that farmer maybe reduce some cost or have opportunity to generate a little more revenue. When it comes down to all of this, what type of data is Pheasants Forever using in order to kind of analyze what to do and how to do it? 
So currently we have uh, five precision ag and conservation specialists, uh, which is the title of the individual that, that the farmer would work directly with, that the, the partner, the consultant, agronomist would work directly with. We've got two in North Dakota, one in Minnesota, one in Iowa, and we, we recently hired a precision ag and conservation specialist in Georgia uh, in, in collaboration with Cotton Inc. So I'm uh, really excited about that. But the basis is, is, is working directly with uh, trusted advisors and the farmer themselves. And we would really need the yield data as planted, as applied. Obviously, the more years, the better uh, to, to go back in time and, and really get a good judgment on, on the potential of those acres and what's green, what's red, and, and year after year, no matter what the uncontrollable variables such as weather uh, provide. We can really track it and go back in time and, and make sure we're making the best decisions possible. The precision ag and conservation specialist role that you talked about, you said you have a, a number of them here in the upper Midwest, Minnesota, North Dakota, uh, Iowa, you had mentioned. And I know you have, have chapters all over the United States, as you kind of mentioned in the intro. Is there opportunity or, or outlook to the future of growing this precision ag program across the United States? Absolutely. We've got other states that are also interested. Uh, Wisconsin, South Dakota, just kind of sticking to the Midwest. But there's there's other states that are definitely interested in. We've had partners kind of requesting it. Going back to the the partnership with John Deere and, and what you guys were, were previously using, Ag Solver, tell us a little bit about that, how the John Deere Operations Center has partnered with everything and how you guys are utilizing John Deere, as well as your platform to help these customers with these areas of their fields? So obviously within Precision Ag and you start talking about platforms, you can dive into the John Deere Operations Center and what are you guys at? 103 different platforms within the Operations Center, yep. uh, not to mention the, the capabilities within the Operations Center itself and the ability to analyze data. So we're really open to, to working with any platform and obviously within the John Deere Operations Center as well, to, to dive into the data. And, and acre-by-acre acre analysis and return on investment is, is kind of the gold standard. But there's so many great platforms out there, you know, including Operations Center, that we can still dig into data and we can identify different, uh, different areas where another practice might be feasible. So when you identify these areas, they work with the the precision ag and conservation specialist in their area. And how does that kind of the ending, how does it look when it wraps up? Are you guys making the recommendations or, or what is being done with those areas once you figure that out? So as we dive into the data, start looking at things, we, the specialists in collaboration with, with other partners such as NRCS or soil and water districts, um, they'll kind of come up with different programs that would be available to the farmer along with the specialists diving in deeper and, and looking for other alternatives that an individual could, could do kind of on their own will. Um, some people might not want to get tied up into a 10, 15-year contract. So what are some other things that somebody could do on their own will and also get that return on investment? You meet with the farmer, you sit down, you get their data, you kind of get these recommendations and practices. How, how do those conversations go? What do they, what do they look like? Do you get a lot of, a lot of people that say, yeah, you know, this really isn't for me. Or do you get people that jump on board right away and say, Hey, I really like what you guys are doing. And I really want to move forward with this. We've had a lot of great success with uh, working with farmers and, and their appreciation of, of looking at kind of a holistic approach. 
uh, and, and looking at it in, in their favor uh, with recommendations that'll have added benefits. So you sit down with them and I mean, phase one is what, what are your goals on your operation? What, what's around you? I mean, is there opportunities for forage production? You know, do you have livestock? Does your neighbor have livestock? Uh, just kind of going through the suite of options and, and seeing what the, what the landscape looks like in the area. What's the potential? I mean, do you have the equipment to do small grains? Is that even an, an option? You know, so if, if they are interested in some of that stuff, we can dive deeper in it. But, you know, it's really up to them. We'll work with them, their consultant, their agronomist, uh, to make sure that everybody's on the same page. If we do make a change with the practice, make sure it, it's going to work with all their precision data to make sure that they can hopefully farm it, if not the same, pretty close to the same as they always have. So it's not going to be going out in the middle of a section and, and kind of changing the flow of the whole field so that we really take all that into consideration and we will go through the steps and if somebody's interested in something we'll go to from a to z uh, working with all the partners anybody that the farmer has a trusted relationship with and really help them get to z which would be implementing the practice or enrolling in a practice we'll go with an individual if they want to go to uh, a service center you know nrcs swcd fsa uh, we'll go with them and and help them and, and explore these opportunities and, and help them with the enrollment process. With all the farmers you've worked with in the past, and I know we were talking before we got recording here, you're not in the specialist role, but you work very closely with these specialists. Do you have any sort of a success story you'd like to share with us about something that's really gone well with Pheasants Forever and these conservation programs? Uh, just a few success stories that I would throw out. Uh, one would be in, in North Dakota here started working with farmer kind of in southeast north dakota and our specialist there ran through the data started looking at the numbers you know taking in consideration yield and and financial constraints and this individual it was it was kind of an aha moment once you started tying in a budget and the financial component and kind of pointed at a map and said yeah i don't really like farming this spot anyways you know what could we do because it was lighting up red on the map and that individual actually looked and said, hey, this is next to one of my pastures. Let's extend my pasture out about 15 acres and let's, let's run the numbers, see what that does. And, and through diving into those numbers, those details taken into consideration, you know, weight gains and, and everything else within the livestock industry, found out that indeed it would increase the return on investment on those acres. And that individual decided to, to move forward and got some cost share for, for some fencing put the grass on the ground and, and the cows are happy. So that would be one example, uh, in North Dakota and Minnesota, kind of a cool one that in my opinion, that, uh, a farmer implemented is there's just this chunk that same thing. Aha moment. I, I never really liked farming that spot anyways. He wasn't necessarily interested in, in any long-term programs, but he was interested in starting to get involved more in cover crops. So through this, uh, they identified that, Hey, we could grow rye on these acres. We could harvest them, get them cleaned, and then we could apply these, what I grew on my own operation on the rest of my farm. So I don't have to go and source and buy seed. I grew my own seed. And just the cost savings on that alone cranked up the return on investment on those acres and, and the whole operation. Uh, so that was phenomenal to see. And I think a great success story. Obviously, we have other examples where they enrolled in CRP or other programs, uh, but I just kind of wanted to focus on some of the more working lands alternatives that we've implemented. 
Yeah, that really brings to light of the opportunities and potential that it that there are there is out there working with Pheasants Forever and like you said, whether it's a uh, uh, working with uh, extending pasture or CRP conservation type efforts, things like that. There's a lot of opportunity. And there's one more uh, story that I want you to touch on or some information, uh, something very exciting coming next year that I'm, I'm pretty excited about, but uh, Pheasant Fest 2019, you guys had what I believe was the first precision ag workshop at Pheasant Fest, second, second, pre- second. second precision ag workshop at Pheasant Fest 2019. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how that went and what we got to look forward to here in 2020. So in 2019 in Illinois, as you mentioned, was our second annual Precision Egg Workshop. And we had the pleasure of having Joel Dawson with John Deere came and he's a phenomenal speaker, uh, came and, and kind of kicked things off, I guess, at the workshop and, and talked about John Deere. And it was great to hear and, and see him up on stage uh, along with that, we had a host of, we had a farmer panel, we had professionals, uh, we kind of kept the PowerPoints out of it, although there were a couple, but we kind of kept it more of a, a panel discussion. Uh, there was about 150 people there, which was a full room. So obviously anytime you have a full room, that's that's phenomenal. And it was filled with, you know, conservation professionals, ag business professionals, farmers, it was just a whole host. We also uh, partnered up with American Society of Agronomy. And we actually offered CEU credits as well. And I submitted those. I think there was somewhere around 15 plus individuals that, that signed up for credits. Um, so the whole event was phenomenal. It was presenting sponsor was John Deere. Uh, with that, we also had our second Precision Farmer of the Year Award go out in collaboration with, with John Deere. And that went to uh, Wise Cup family down in Iowa. And we had a, a nice big print with some green equipment on it, a few pheasants. And I'll, I'll look to add that on the description below uh, for the listeners if they're interested in reading a little bit more about the uh, Precision Farmer of the Year Award and kind of go from there. So to jump into 2020, uh, it'll be February 14th, so it will be Valentine's Day. But we will be having a Precision Egg Workshop, and this year it'll be in Minnesota in St. Paul in coordination, uh, in collaboration with Pheasant Fest. So look for more details. We're working on kind of ramping that up and, and getting nuggets of information out leading up to it. But we're, we're excited to have it right here in Minnesota on home, home turf, home base uh, for the organization and kind of blow it out of the water this year. So and not only is John Deere kind of partnered with Pheasants Forever on the precision ag end of things, but there's also another piece of the puzzle when it comes to Pheasants Forever and John Deere, correct? Absolutely. We're excited to have John Deere on as the official Habitat Tractor. Tanner, where can people go? Who can they talk to to learn more about whether it's Pheasants Forever, the organization, or if they want to learn more about the precision ag and conservation end of things? Tony, if people want to learn a little bit more about the organization, uh, you can go to our website, which would be pheasantsforever.org. Another opportunity would be to like us and follow us on Facebook. So just Pheasants Forever, and you can get there. Twitter would be another opportunity. That would be at pheasants for the number forever, uh, in addition to quail forever. Uh, would be another another hashtag you could search for. So definitely look us up and, and follow us on those social media channels. Uh, along with, uh, I was talking to Tony here kind of before we started, and, and in the description below this podcast, 
Uh, there'll be some documents and some links provided so you can learn a little bit more about our Precision Ag initiative. You can learn a little bit more about our organization, along with find contact information for our Precision Ag and Conservation Specialists, uh, kind of broken down by state. I just want to thank you, Tanner, for taking the time to sit down with me here and talk a little bit more about how Pheasants Forever is is a lot more deeply ingrained in agriculture than what a lot of people think. It's really exciting to hear what you are doing with the Precision Ag program and some of your conservation efforts in that manner. And one more thing for you, Tony. So just a disclaimer, I'm not a podcast individual. I have never listened to a full podcast. Now here I am, ironic, on a podcast. But... I will tell you that the first, I think you still call it a podcast, but the first podcast, full podcast I listened to was about two weeks ago, and that was with uh, the the video format with you and Zach Johnson, the Minnesota Millennial Farmer, and that was just absolutely phenomenal, and and I've uh, briefly met Zach before, and, and obviously I've met you, and just the graphics that were that were in there and watching the eye movements and and that was that was pretty cool. So I I came into this thinking I was going to be on a another kind of video podcast, but uh, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the producer of this show, Nate Dorsey, does an amazing job with his uh, his skills and abilities doing the uh, the animation and everything with that. And uh, Tanner's referring to uh, episode eighty six with uh, Zach Johnson, the Minnesota Millennial Farmer, and. We got a video out there on YouTube. It's on the Audio Equipment YouTube page, as well as uh, Zach Johnson's Minnesota Millennial Farmer YouTube page. Uh, Very neat. And I will be completely honest with you, Tanner. Before I started hosting this podcast, I was not a podcast guy. Now that we're a few years into it, I I listen to quite a few podcasts. So you're not the only one uh, out there like that. So You guys are doing a great job. Well, thank you. And thanks again, Tanner, for being here and doing this with me today. This podcast was produced and edited by Nate Dorsey. Visit audioequipment.com slash podcast to listen to new episodes and catch up on any that you've missed. You can also listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Android devices so that you'll never miss out on the latest news and technology from Audio Equipment and John Deere. If you really like this podcast, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or any of the other social media platforms that you are using. You can also connect with me on Twitter at RDOTonyK. That's at R-D-O-T-O-N-Y-K, where you can tweet me questions, episode feedback, or ideas for future topics to cover. Please join us next time on the Agriculture Technology Podcast.